Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bwery, and as always, I'm with internet famous Dr. Lucy Jones. Thanks to all the listeners who've stepped up to sponsor this podcast over the last 12 months. You can too by joining as a sponsor of the nonprofit Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Please go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Now, let's get to it. It's likely that you're listening to this podcast on a phone, on your computer, or even in your car as you drive. All of that is possible because of a little thing we like to call the internet. We depend on the internet for almost everything, but especially information, like this podcast and websites like Twitter. And when there's an earthquake, the internet becomes essential. The minute we feel shaking, we run to the USGS websites or to Twitter to see what's happened. That's how we know what's going on. We confirm what we think might be happening. That helps us get through it. But what if there's a big earthquake? You might wonder, will the internet be there still? Or maybe you don't wonder and you just assume it will. Lucy, the internet doesn't go away. Can you explain how a large earthquake might affect it though? Okay, we need to be clear about the difference between the internet itself and our ability to connect to the internet. I mean, I wonder how many people even remember how the internet came about, the old DARPA net. It was designed during the Cold War to make sure that communication among critical military leaders would continue even in the nuclear holocaust. That's why, you know, .gov.mil and .edu are the earliest domains. So it was designed to route around any failure and be there no matter what. So the internet is going to survive the earthquake. Your ability to connect to the internet, however, is a whole different question. And you need to start by asking yourself, how do you get your internet service? Okay, so explain one of the main things that could interrupt the service from an earthquake. What could an earthquake do that makes us unable to connect to the internet? The biggest vulnerability overwhelmingly is the lack of electricity. When the Northridge earthquake happened in 1994, all of Los Angeles went dark. Now they were able to get the power back to the whole city within 24 hours, but that was actually a really amazing emergency engineering response feat. And that wasn't that big an earthquake. When we look at what we expect from the big San Andreas earthquake, our models were often three days without electricity. So what does that mean? Now, if you try to say what had happened to the internet in Northridge, you're lost. I mean, the internet system was fine. There wasn't a commercial internet at that point. The first internet browser was actually released three months after that earthquake. Literally, the internet as we know it did not exist when that earthquake happened. So if the power goes out and we can't connect, that's the answer, right? It's that simple. Well, sort of, not necessarily, but let's think about what your points of failure might be. We can start your device that you're accessing it, a laptop or a phone. It's probably got a battery and you're going to be able to use it for a while. How long you'll be able to use it is a different question. And I'll tell you that those little systems that are solar chargers for phones, that's a critical part of my earthquake kit. But let's go on from the computer. You're connecting to the internet through a Wi-Fi in your house. Does that have backup power? Do you have a backup on your router? Probably you don't have that power in your house. Now, maybe you do. Maybe you're one of the prepared people and you've got a generator and you're going to keep those things going. Now you have to look at how you connect into the commercial internet. 
Most people do that through the cable companies and the routing coming into your house. The cable company has a little routing box on every block or two that, to connect that group of houses into the internet. And those very rarely have backup power. So even though you have all the power back up in your house, you still are probably losing your connection to the internet through that commercial last mile vulnerability. Now, maybe you have satellite internet and in a sense that's better. You gotta make sure you have backup power on your dish on every piece of the system that's coming into your house. But one of the other things we see in, in earthquakes is satellite dishes get misaligned by the shaking in the event. And it's actually probably pretty likely that the dish won't work if you have strong shaking because it'll now be pointing at the wrong point of the sky and realigning it can be a pretty challenging thing to pull off. So the real failure point, it seems like you could really harden your system, your own batteries, your solar power, your backup generator, but that box out in the street, a block or two or three away, if it doesn't have backup power, it doesn't matter what you do at home. Right. Because we haven't faced that big earthquake with modern internet, that's not a, a failure point that the larger community has said, wait, we better do something about this. After the next earthquake knocks it out, then we'll fix it. Well, we'll get back to that in just a minute. I want to take a minute. You mentioned something earlier about cell phones. They connect to cell towers. I know that's how they work, right? That's why there's cell mm -hmm. phones and cell towers. <laughs> Can you explain, though, what's available to us just over the cell network? Okay. So our cell network has both voice and data, and it goes through routers in our cell towers. Now, cell towers are all over our neighborhoods. People don't particularly like that, and they really don't like the idea of generators at every cell tower. So most cell towers have only four hours of backup power. That's the minimum required by law, batteries in the system, and it means that after four hours without power, they stop working. The other thing is that there's going to be real congestion on this. I think we all know that it's very difficult to use a phone after an earthquake. It's difficult to use a phone during rush hour, right? When too many people want to use the phone, you can't get through. After a big earthquake, we expect that it'll be essentially impossible to use any phone service on the cell phones. But there's also going to be a lot of congestion on the data service because most people's regular type of internet Wi-Fi isn't going to be working. And so it's going to be very difficult to get through to any of these websites just because there's not enough bandwidth to handle the demand that's going to be coming on after the earthquake. So the biggest issue is how you connect. That's what's become very clear here. But the internet itself, you said it's not going away. It's not not going to work. But are there any vulnerabilities there within the internet itself? Right. So the internet is designed to be able to handle an interruption of service along some pathway, and it'll always route around that. But the bigger the node is, the more we lose if some part of it goes down. And there are these big data centers at various places around the country that handle a lot of the internet traffic. Some of them we know are in the type of buildings that we expect to come down in an earthquake. So one of the things we worry about in the biggest earthquake is that we might see some really critical data centers not functioning. They got back a power. <laughs> But if the building's coming down, then that system isn't going to be working. And that's just going to slow everything down. There are routes around it, but if it's some of the biggest systems, we might find it very difficult to communicate, say, between Southern California after the San Andreas is going to the rest of the country. So without a fail-safe connection, we can't depend on the internet 
to serve us the way we need it to, especially in those critical hours and days following the earthquake. So where do we get the information we need? Well, we're never going to be able to get as much as we've become uh, addicted to, right? 30, 40 years ago, you didn't expect to get all that information. We're going to be returning more to that system. But I think probably the most important thing you can do is, is have a radio. That radio transmission is very robust. It'll almost certainly still be going out. And you probably have a radio in your car. So remember that that is a place that you can turn to to get the information you would have gotten from the internet. And if you don't have a car, get a radio. If you don't have a car, get a radio. They sure don't cost very much anymore. The other thing is, what about your information that you're going to need? One of the things we advise for dealing with any disaster is putting some of your critical paperwork, the things you know you're really going to need after an earthquake or after any disaster, in the cloud. Because you know, if your house is just burned down, you no longer can find your insurance records or your marriage certificate. There's a lot of things you might want to have. Just go take a picture of them with your phone and put them in a safe. There's various websites that will provide you safe storage of this type of thing. You'll then be able to get to them if you're evacuated for a fire or a hurricane or any of those other disasters. But for the earthquake, you want to make sure you have paper copies at home as well, because it could very well be a while before you can get to any of those digital records. The last thing I think is really important for people to remember is your cell phone will probably work for a few hours, but it's going to be overwhelmed by the everybody else trying to use the cell phone at the same time. So plan to text, not talk. You'll want to communicate with your family. You'll want to know that they are okay. Do it through texting and get it done in the first four hours before all of those cell towers lose power. But most importantly, as communities, we need to focus on the idea of resilience for our community. Instead of just preparing as individuals for the earthquake that we might have that might isolate us from our internet, one that cuts the power, right? What if we focused on that forward thinking and prevent the loss from happening, prevent the power from going out, making sure that router box in the neighborhood is still functioning? If we make sure we have fewer points of failure due to lack of electricity, we'll be better off. And if we believe that resilience is worth the investment, we could work with utilities now before the next disaster to make a more resilient system. And we need to remember that there are going to be an increasing number of disasters coming with climate change. The earthquakes don't become more common, but the fires and the hurricanes and the storms will. And real resilience is becoming more important than ever. Well, let's leave that for another conversation. Until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a supporter at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones. <laughs>